today it's emotions, and I mean, so far we've talked about worry, loneliness, um, fear, and anger, and there are some positive emotions. How many of you are glad there are also positive emotions out there? And, and we're going to end with a positive emotion. I, I, I don't know what your emotions are today. As I said, they may be mixed, but for me, Mother's Day, the primary emotion that I experience today is gratitude, deep, deep gratitude to my mother, to the mother of my children. I'm also a, I'm a girl's dad. I got three we have three daughters, and I'm so grateful. And gratitude is just, this is going to sound like a simple definition, but gratitude is focusing on what's good in our lives. It sounds simple, but how many of you learned it's not that simple to do? We tend to focus on all sorts of things, but gratitude is focusing on the good things in our lives and giving thanks to God and to others for the things that we have. Gratitude is pausing to notice and appreciate the things we often take for granted. And so this morning, we're in the Psalms. We're going to read from Psalm 103, verses 1 through 14. This is a Psalm of David. And in this Psalm, David is giving thanks to God. And as I read this, I, I want you, every time I read something that you say, that's true of me also, in your heart, just say thanks. Say thanks to God as we read this together. And let gratitude build in you even as we read this passage. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 14 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now here comes the list of benefits. And if any of these are true for you, just in your own way, internally say, thank you, Lord. Number three, Here we go, verse 3. He forgives all your iniquity. Heals your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions or our sins from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. Hopefully you had a few thank yous in there. Hopefully you had a few moments of gratitude as you've thought about the Lord's work in your life. And there's three things from this passage that we're going to learn about where gratitude comes from. And the first thought is this, that gratitude comes from rehearsing what God has done. Rehearsing what God has done. This past week I had the pleasure, privilege, and honor of officiating a wedding of one of my cousins. She got married in Webster, New York. And so Thursday night I drove out there for the rehearsal and, um, you know, I've done, I, I haven't kept track, but I've probably done over 75 weddings at this point. And so I've run a lot of rehearsals. And I've learned some rules about wedding rehearsals. And the first rule is this. You've got to lay it down early that I'm, when I ask a question, I'm not asking for everyone's opinion. <laughs> Everyone at a rehearsal is an expert on weddings and how they ought to go based on their own experiences. So very early in a rehearsal, I'll say this. Hey, I'm going to ask for some information tonight. It's, I'm not asking everyone. 
Uh, I'm asking the bride and the groom. And by that, I mean I'm asking the bride. Uh, and so if she's happy, we're happy. <laughs> I've learned that about rehearsals. But really, the important thing about rehearsals is that by the time you're done, everybody feels pretty confident about what they're supposed to do, where they're supposed to be, and how things are going to go the next day. So a lot of the times when we think of rehearsing, we think of getting ready for something that's yet to come. But another example of what makes the English language so hard to understand and learn for people is that this word rehearse actually can be used in a different way. So rehearsal is not just about what's going to come. We also rehearse things that have already happened. In fact, if you look it up in the dictionary, it says that to rehearse something is, is simply to recount things from the past. Over and How many of you have learned that you can't always control your memories, Right? You can't always control what you remember. You might walk into a space and see something, and it triggers a memory. You didn't choose. It just comes to you. You might smell something. Smell is the most powerful sense when it comes to bringing back memory. You'll smell something, and all of a sudden, you'll be back 10 years ago, and you're, you can't always control what you remember, but you can control what you rehearse. What do you rehearse? In other words, what do you go over and over in your mind? What truths and stories do you tell yourself all the time? Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a famous, famous British preacher, said this. He said, have you realized that most of the unhappiness in your life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you woke up this morning. You have not originated them, but they are already talking to you. They bring you back to the problems of yesterday, probably the things you fell asleep worrying about, you wake up thinking about. Somebody is talking. Well, who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you, and you're just listening to yourself. But then Martin Lloyd-Jones says that in this psalm and in many other psalms like this, instead of allowing his self to talk to him, David starts talking to himself. And that's what David is doing in the opening verses when he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. He is both the one speaking and the one listening. He's speaking to his own soul, this powerful form of self-talk. And this is not the sort of current form of self-talk that's wildly popular outside of the church, which is like, just believe in yourself, you can do it, think positive thoughts. This is much more than just think positive, happy thoughts. This is, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not what? How smart I am, how good I am, how wise I am, how much I got it together, how brave I am, no. Forget not all of his benefits. Don't forget all the things that God has done. So to remember is good, but to rehearse is better. And when we will rehearse what God has done, we will find ourselves filling up with gratitude. Now, what do we rehearse? A few things that we should learn to rehearse. The first thing is that we should learn to rehearse what God has done as it is revealed in the Bible, in Scripture. Do you know that in verse 7, David says, God made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. Now, if, you, if you're new to the Bible, new to Christianity, you may not know this, but David and Moses were not contemporaries. They did not live at the same time. Moses was many years before David. So what is David doing here? It's pretty cool. David is reminding himself of what God did for somebody else in the past. What do we do when we open up scriptures and we read the stories of God's faithfulness to his people and the ways in which he provided for the needs of his people? When Jesus walked the earth and he healed people and he restored people, what are we doing? We are rehearsing what God did for others. And it's a way that we build up our own faith because what God did for one, he will do for another. 
He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we have to rehearse God's work in Scripture. But we also have to rehearse God's work in our own lives to remind ourselves. And my daughters play sports, and sometimes they have rough days and rough games. Yesterday was a rough day. It was a rough game. It involved tears and sadness. That was just me. My, my, my daughters weren't doing great either. And afterwards, as I'm talking to my oldest daughter and trying to help her process her frustration of how the game went and how she felt like she performed, I was trying to remind her, like, hey, you've worked so hard. You've done so many things. A year ago, the things you were doing today, you never would have thought possible. What am I doing? I'm trying to remind her of the things that have happened in her past that give her confidence for the present. How many of you have seen God do things for you in the past? How many of you have learned that God has a way of providing and being near? We have to remind ourselves of how God has shown up in our lives and rehearse those truths. David does it here says, you forgave my sins. David had some big ones. You forgave my sins. You healed my sickness. David was sick multiple times. You redeemed my life from the pit. David was in a cave running for his life. You crowned me with steadfast love and mercy for the king to say, the crown I really desire is not the crown of Israel, but the crown of your steadfast love and mercy. That's what David is saying here. You satisfy me with good so that I have the energy and strength of a soaring eagle. You work righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. God, you are merciful and you are gracious and you are slow to anger. You are abounding in steadfast love. David is reminding himself of what God has done for him, and we can do the same. We must do the same. And then he says, this is my fa- one of my favorite ones in this passage, you do not deal with us according to our sins. I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm so grateful for that. God doesn't deal with us according to our sins. He forgives us of our sins. So what would it be like if you were rehearsing that truth all day long as you walked into difficult conversations, conflict at work, troubles in your home, struggles in your life, and as you're walking into these moments, you're reminding yourself, God, you do not treat me according to my sins, but you have mercy and grace on me. You know what that will do? It will steady your heart in those moments. It will fill you with gratitude. So we rehearse his faithfulness to us, but we also have to rehearse God's work in other people's lives too. Remind ourselves of what God has done for others in our lives. Halfway through this psalm, David changes pronouns. He moves from talking about things that God has done for you to things that God has done for us. He does not deal with us according to our sins. He removes our transgressions. He works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. What he's doing is he's sharing stories of God's faithfulness with each other. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, in the, in, before this, there's a man named Moses, the man that we just talked about. And Moses is preaching to the people of Israel, and he's reminding them of what God has done. And he says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, when your son asks you in time to come, basically in the future, when your children ask you, what is the meaning of all of this? The testimonies, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord God has commanded you. When your children say, what is this all about? Parents, when your children ask you, why do we go to church? Why do we serve God? What does this all mean? Here's what Moses said. Say to your son, say to your daughter, we were, past tense, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. The Lord showed signs and wonders against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. He brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to our fathers. Here's what Moses is telling all the parents. This is a good word on Mother's Day for moms and dads this morning. Tell your children the stories of God's faithfulness. 
Let those stories fill your home. Don't keep it a secret from your kids. If God's done something for you in your past, let your children know about it. In fact, earlier in this chapter, Moses says, you know when you should do this? When you sit, when you walk, and when you lay down. Do you know what that means? All the time, every moment of the day, you tell your children of the faithfulness and good of God. That's also why we gather like this. That's why we need community like this, because God may have done wonderful things for you. He has, but God has done other wonderful things for others. And when you hear their stories, what does it do to you? strengthens your heart. It fills you with faith. It gives you hope, and it makes you a person of gratitude. I genuinely believe we cannot experience the gratitude that God wants us to experience if we isolate ourselves from meaningful biblical community, because it's in hearing each other's stories that we begin to really see the goodness of God. C.S. Lewis, actually, I didn't say this in the first message. This is bonus for you guys. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Four Loves, he talks about friendship, And he says this, this is interesting. He says, in each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out of them. By myself, I am not large enough to call that whole friend into activity. I want other lights than my own to show all his facets. Hence, true friendship is the least jealous of loves. Two friends delight to be joined by a third and three by a fourth, if only the newcomer is qualified to become a real friend. Here's what C.S. Lewis is saying. Let me explain this. He's saying that it's great when you have a friend with you, but how many of you know that when this third friend joins the circle, things get more wild? (laughs) And that third friend can bring things out of that friend that you don't. And then the fourth friend steps in, and all of a sudden you're seeing a new side of one of your friends that you don't bring out of them, but your other friend brings out of them. That's how friendship circles work. And I think that's also true when we think of our friendship with God. There are ways that we see God as our friend, but as we invite other friends of God into our life, we begin to see God more fully, more richly, more truly for all that he is. So gratitude is rehearsing what God has done. Second point this morning is this. Gratitude is recognizing what God is doing. These verbs in Psalms are not in the past tense and they're not in the future tense. They're almost all in the present tense. He heals my diseases. He forgives my sins. They're ongoing. The Lord is always at work. And we need to get a lot better, I think, or I'll just speak for myself. I need to get a lot better at being thankful now in this moment. Well, I grew up in church. I've been in church really my whole life. My dad, uh, my dad was a pastor. My mom's a pastor. And, and uh, one of the biggest differences in church life back then versus now, there's a lot of them. But one of the biggest differences is that back then, most churches like ours sang all the same songs because there was only like eight songs in existence back then. And we sang those songs to death. I mean, week after week, we'd sing the same four songs. Now there's like eight new songs every day, it feels like, coming out. But back then, it was like we knew those songs. And there was a song we used to sing. We'd say, this is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. Some of you are like, I'm glad I wasn't in church back then. We sang it, I think, almost every week, and it was like our favorite song to sing in our family devotionals. And we almost, sometimes you sing things so much, you almost lose the point of them and the message of them. But, you know, that's right from Scripture. That's Psalm 118.24. That's a powerful truth that I don't think we're very good at. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So many of us miss this day because we're living in the past, trying to fix things that can't be fixed, or trying to relive things that really aren't coming along with us. 
or we live in the future because we're either fearful of what's coming or we are joyfully anticipating what's coming and we miss the gift of today. Right here. Gratitude is recognizing what God is doing. Let's not just wait for God to do big things and then we'll be thankful. We have to learn to be thankful for the little things, the small things. Listen, if you and I can only be grateful for big things, then our lives will not be marked with the gratitude as they should. And actually, I think if we don't learn how to give thanks for the little things, then when the big things come along, we may not be as grateful for them as we should. Every day, commit yourself to finding small things to be thankful. I found some ideas this week of how you could do that. Maybe, maybe you want to go home and do this today. So one of the ideas I found online was called an A through Z gratitude list. A through Z gratitude list. And you just use the alphabet. And every day, you say something you're thankful for that starts with the letter that day. You could do this almost every single month. So tomorrow, let's start with the letter A. What are you thankful for? Apple pie. All right? B, bacon, right? C, cheese. You see what my list would be like, but uh, wow, those three actually sound good together, apple pie, bacon, and cheese. Well, I don't know what your list would look like, but the point is, is, and you might say, well, that seems kind of cheesy or forced, but I don't know that we're going to get this right if we don't actually do some intentional things. And so a grateful list, A through Z. Another thing is some people just say, sit down as a family and, and don't leave each other until you come up with 100 things that you're thankful for. Believe me, you'll get through it because your kids don't want to be there. They'll find 100 things that they're grateful for. Or another exercise is whenever you find yourself grumbling, I know there's no grumblers here, but whenever you find yourself grumbling, choose in that moment, I'm also going to identify one thing that I'm grateful for. One thing, so if you're in traffic and the guy in front of you is driving like a maniac and you're grumbling about the driving, you can also say, thank you that I, thank you I have a car. Thank you that I'm able to have a front row seat to this bad driving, like, you know, thank you. Or if you're in line at Wegmans and it's taken forever, thank you that I have the money to buy groceries. Thank you that Wegmans exists. God bless their bakery, right? So there's, there's ways that you can be grateful even in your grumbling. And then let me just say this and then we'll go to the last point this morning. If we're going to recognize what God is doing now, that means that there's going to be some times that we're going to have to be grateful even in grief and grateful in sorrow and thankful in hard times. There's, there's hard things happening in this world. There's hard things happening in your lives. If I, if I listed the things of people in our church, if I listed what the people in our church are going through right now, it would take your breath away. The grief, the pain, the, 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 the struggle, just this week, people losing moms right before Mother's Day. This morning, good friends in the hospital struggling with very serious things. Uh, my own mom struggling with sickness, um, struggles in, uh, in people's homes with relationships. Listen, there's, there's sorrow because of the curse and the brokenness of this world. Sorrow is a constant companion. If we have to have things right to be thankful, we're going to miss so many opportunities to be thankful. Even in the hard times, we have to say, Lord, there are things that I don't understand, but I trust in your goodness, and I'm thankful for another day, and I'm thankful for the breath in my lungs, and even though it hurts to see this person suffering, I thank you that I love this person enough to be hurt by their suffering. I, I thank you that they're a part of my life. I thank you that I have today with them. So much of the time we kind of wait and fear about what's coming. You know, think of family members who are sick and you think like, what's going to happen to them? 
If you always live in the future as it relates to the health of your family members, you're going to miss opportunities to be thankful today that they're still here and that they're with you and that they're able to celebrate life with you. It's so easy to lose our joy in worst case scenar- because of worst-case scenarios and to miss opportunities to be thankful for what we have now. We have to recognize what God is doing now. And then lastly this morning, I'm going to ask Pastor Anthony to join me. Gratitude is rejoicing in what God will do. Okay, so you see what we're doing this morning. Past tense, it's rehearsing what he's done. Present tense, it is recognizing what he is doing. But future tense, it's rejoicing in what he will do. There's a couple things in this psalm that kind of bother me, if I'm honest with you. David says that he will heal all our diseases. And David also says that he will give justice and righteousness for all of the oppressed. It should be easier to swallow if David had said, he heals some of our diseases some of the time. It'd be easier to believe this in some ways if it said, he brings righteousness and justice to some of the oppressed. But David doesn't cop out with that language. He says all. But let's be honest, we live in a world where we're not fully experiencing that. You know there's people oppressed around this world. As we're sitting here this morning, there, in fact, I don't know if the statistic is current, but I believe it is. There is more human trafficking and slavery today in our world than in any other time in history, as we're sitting here this morning. The suffering of people physically. And yet David says he heals all our diseases. And he gives righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. How do we make sense of this? This is so hard for us because you and I, we see life as what happens between the womb and the tomb, but God sees life differently. God sees life eternally. And listen, I'm all for praying for healing for people, and we believe that God heals people. We should pray more for healing and believe more for healing. I also believe that we shouldn't just pray for righteousness and justice for the oppressed, but we should act if we can donate to organizations that are doing something about human trafficking, if we can go ourselves, I think we should be all in on seeing the kingdom of God manifest in our lives today. However, the Bible makes it clear that we will not fully experience the kingdom of God until we're in eternity with Jesus. He gives us glimpses of it here and now to strengthen our hearts with hope and to, and to bring glory to the Father and for the good of our community. But the reality is, is that there's always going to be some injustice and injustice in this world. So how do we make sense of this? God sees our lives from an eternal perspective. God knows that we are eternal beings. And when David said this, David knew that well. And there is a day where we will stand before Jesus face to face. And on that day, we will receive all his benefits, all his benefits. No more cancer, no more sickness, no more ALS, no more struggle, no more sin, no more shame, no more sickness. And because that is our sure and certain future hope, we can rejoice in what he will do. Even when what is happening now fills our hearts with sorrow and struggle, we have hope for the future. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Last Battle, which is the final book in the Chronicles of Narnia, is wrapping this story up. And he says this, he says, for us, speaking of the characters in this story, and for us, this was the end of all the stories. It was symbolizing the end of time. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, 
It was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Someday we'll be in heaven with Jesus and these three things will be true. Number one, we will serve Jesus the way we wish we always had. He will remove from us not just the penalty of sin and, the, and not just the power of sin, but on that day, he will remove the very presence of sin. And we'll serve Jesus the way we wish we always had. The other thing that will be true on that day, number two, all of our wounds will be healed. The ones we know about and the ones we don't even know about. He will heal all of our diseases. And also on that day, he will lead us into ever-increasing joy. In heaven, every day will be better than the one before it. Paul in Corinthians says, the glory fades. What he means is everything on this side of eternity, it fades away. It actually gives us less and less joy. You remember the first time you, you I remember the first time I went to the movie tavern over by Costco's and I walked in that place and I was like, what? Reclining chairs? And they bring food to your chair for you? Like, is this heaven? This is amazing. And now I go there and it's kind of sad, but I'm like, Eh. sit in the chair I'm like eh. <laughs> doesn't go back as far as I want it to go back what I gotta order the food at the bar and bring it here my like kind of world am I living in right everything I'm joking a little bit everything everything in this world gets less and less interesting less and less exciting the glory fades what will it be like in heaven where every day the glory gets greater increasing joy for all of eternity. And if you can't, if you're struggling to be grateful for today, be grateful for that day. We can rejoice because of what God will do. Rehearse what he's done, recognize what he's doing, rejoice in what he will do. Let's pray together this morning.